0: Welcome to think like a dog podcast where we explore dog behavior and psychology based training to help your dog achieve their full potential. Welcome back to think like a dog podcast today. We're on episode 19 and we have Connor here with us today Connor has been in previous episodes with us and today we're going to talk all about the walk. we've had many people ask about structured walks since we talk so much about it and it's such a big component and creating a really good relationship with your dog. So, um, you know, we've got gathered also some questions from our social media that people dropped for us, and we're going to be answering those in the end. But we're going to start talking first about what is a structured walk. Um, what does that even mean?
1: It's definitely something where um, a lot of our owners, you know, they, they take their dog on a walk every day. Um, and they uh, assume, you know, Hey, as long as my dog's tired at the end of the, end of the walk, it's, it's, you know, the goal has been met. Um, but really when we, when, we th- when we think about a structured walk, we really want, uh, the owner to be in the lead of that walk. And I really think that is the, the, the basis of, of the structured walk. Um, and I think, you know, how you, you attain that, how, how, uh, owner, Um, really makes it clear to their dog that they're the ones leading that walk looks different for each dog. Um, But in general, I think that would be the main kind of uh, tying, tying, like the main common theme across the board.
2: Yeah, I think it's a matter of looking at the leash walk less as something that you do as this like exciting thing, kind of what you said of it's not to drain the energy of the dog. It's to practice your relationship with the dog of I lead, you follow, you, you know, we tell people all the time when you are walking with your dog, you're simulating migration, right? Which is a, a very, um, almost kind of sacred instinctual ritual for the dog. Uh, and, and in that ritual, you know, somebody leads and somebody follows. Um, so we really, I mean, we really stress to our clients that in order for your dog to uh, feel safe out in the world, you need to have a relationship with them where they know that anything that they could potentially come across that they don't understand, they can look to you for direction that matters exponentially more on the leash walk. So that's why we really stress, I mean, structured leash walks.
0: With structured leash walks, what are some key points that you guys can give us of what that would look like? So you know, people that are listening in, they can kind of picture that of how that would be. Um, I think
1: the main thing we think of is definitely behind our leg. I mean, if that's not uh, currently going on, that being the goal in mind of, of of that, just that physical positioning of, hey, you know, space is a, is a big resource for our dogs. And, and that that space alone of who's in front, who's behind, plays a large role in just what they're getting out of the structured walk, um, And then, the other thing would be just relevancy. Um, I think that's, that's a, a large thing that a lot of our owners struggle with. And, um, just like I said about kind of the leading and following, it looks different for each dog. Um, but just making sure that they, our dogs know where to look to when they get stressed out. And, and we really stress the structured walk because, you know, there's a comfort bubble that all of our dogs have. And that, that structured walk is kind of the daily activity that they can basically, and this this may sound weird to a lot of dogs or a lot of owners, but it's the one daily activity they can bank on something stressing them out. And it would sound weird to a lot of dogs, too. <laughs> that, that as well. <laughs> that as well. And, and uh, normally, like, the, the reason I say that sounds weird is because it's y- – a lot of people don't view you know the everyday dog owner don't view doesn't view the the walk as a stressful thing mm-hmm. um, but that's where we see a miscommunication um, and, and see that 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 response to arousal is indeed you know whether it's anxiety or fear it is stress um, and, and just you know really the main goal of that structured walk uh, being getting better at dealing with stress every time we're going out of our comfort zone.
2: Yes, absolutely. With a structured walk, the the first thing is going to be who is leading and who's following. So what Connor said of having that dog either by your leg or behind you a little bit you're navigating through potentially new territory and if not if it's not new territory if it's the same neighborhood that you walk in every time there's still different smells there's still different things that are happening Um, and it's really important to see the walk from your dog's perspective even your more excited dog um, it, it might seem like the most fun thing in the world as long as everything is exactly how that dog wants it to be or or normal and familiar to the dog but the second that something different happens we want to make it you know very clear to the dog that we are the one that gets to make the decision about how to deal with that so a structured walk is something where the human leads the dog follows you know the human is setting the 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 tone, the the pace of how fast are we going, which direction are we going? what distractions are we paying attention to? Um, the human is making all of the decisions on the walk. so then that way, when something happens, and this is something that I get all all the time in sessions, um, when a dog passes, when a human passes, when a car passes something, right? Um, the dog is very comfortable looking to the human for, okay, what do I do here? Because you have made all the decisions up until this point. So it's normal for me to look to you to make a decision about this new thing that might be a little overwhelming to me.
0: Yeah, it's really rare for you to see a dog and an owner walking next to each other. That's just not what we envision when we're thinking I'm taking my dog out for a walk. We think it's totally normal for them to just walk in front of us. Mm -hmm. Now, to start a structured walk... We talked about this on a previous episode, and I think it's important for us to go a little bit more in depth of there is a uh, way that you start that walk to initiate that walk in that mindset. How would that go? Um,
1: Yeah, for me, I think the, the two two big things I think owners go go wrong with. Uh, is before they're out the door and we've probably talked about it on this podcast before um, but setting them setting our dogs up to still be calm before we're even out the do- door and in, in, in our mo our, our movement rather um, and, and just making sure that they know the goal is to be calm even before we're out the door um, that and then to not reinforcing or, or not continuing on your walk until that dog's actually following you so I do hear you know when when clients come in for the first time, they'll, they'll say, Hey, he's, he's not bad on leash. He, he listens on leash. Um, he just has to get, you know, 10, 20 minutes yeah, of walking I hear that
2: out. all the time. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's something where I'm like, okay, it's good to know that, okay, that stamina's not going to last forever. <laughs> um, but I do want a, a dog that's coming out the door with me in that following state of mind because they're, they're, they're creatures of habit. And when we really make it, you know, from point A to point B, we want your attention that, that deals away with any confusion and kind of um, miscommunication of when we are dealing with uncontrollable things that inside the house we don't have to deal with, but outside of the house we have no clue when or how they're going to happen. How we deal handle those things is by practicing not around those uncontrollable things. Well,
2: and I mean on a surface level too it's you how can you guarantee that the second that you walk out of your house there's not going to be your dog's trigger on the other side of the door right we sell we tell people all the time that when I mean the leash walk starts the second you pick up that leash the second that you are putting your shoes on whatever it is that um, signals to your dog that the leash walk is about to happen it is so important to make sure that you are setting the tone for the remainder of the walk it is I think, very normal for a dog to be a little bit more amped at the beginning of the walk than they um, than they are uh, towards the end, obviously. But you shouldn't, I mean, we talked about this in the exercise episode, you shouldn't have to have a tired dog to have a well-behaved one. Um, the, the goal for the walk is neutrality from start to finish. The goal for the walk is um, offering your dog that one exercise uh, that doesn't involve excitement, that is actually a really... Um, almost like this kind of um it's not robotic it's almost like this very neutral following state of mind where they get to kind of go into this zen mode where I don't have to pay attention to everything around me I don't have to worry about what's over there what's over there I get to just move right and that's so natural for our dogs but starting that a lot of times I mean I cannot tell you how many times people will go do you want to go for a walk Do you want to go? You want to go outside? You want to go for a car ride? You want to go do this? You want to eat food? Right. And then they get they come into the center because their dog is too excited on the walk when they are the ones that started the excitement. So it's really important. I have a client, um, I think just the other day, I I told them if you can't get the leash on your dog without him biting you, which was (laughs) the issue, right? (laughs) Um, then that's your walk, is practicing putting the leash on and taking it off because. If you can't lead your dog in the house, if you can't even apply the thing that you your dog is very aware is the thing that controls them, right? If they aren't giving, you, giving up enough control for you to apply this leash, you are not going to have any say so over the decision making when the dog sees another dog, which he was there for leash reactivity. So sometimes that walk is going in and out the front door. Sometimes that walk is on a rainy day, especially going up and down your stairs or, um, you know, we do treadmill training, things like that. That's not the walk, though. That's not a relationship builder. That's a confidence builder, if anything. But it, it doesn't have to look like this linear. We have to go around the whole neighborhood or go for this amount of miles we do leash drills a lot. We always set the tone with leash drills and that those leash drills, like you said, Connor can look different based on what level that where the dog needs to work.
1: Yeah. And, and what I was talking about when, you know, the first mistake about not leaving the door. Right. And that we call those thresholds of getting, getting a sit, getting, um, eye contact, making sure we're, we're calm and we're connected before leaving that door. Um, but like Millie said, it's, it even goes further back mm-hmm. than that. You, you really do want to start with that, that leash. And especially with our, you know, our owners who are very used to talking to their dog a mm-hmm. lot, it's, it's more of an exercise for yourself, but that's, that's what people don't get about dog training is I, I get that probably once a session of, Oh, this training is for me. And it's all like, the time. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is what yeah. the training is for, but you can't necessarily advertise that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's, but that's, it's super important to work on yourself. Cause that's, Ultimately, you have to know where you started
2: it, like where what you played into this, and not that okay. Are you know I I have this thing of the difference between dog training and or a a well trained dog and and a well behaved dog. A well-trained dog can make its body do something different than um, than how it's feeling, right? A well-trained dog is asked to do things um, differently with all of the same information regardless, right? Um, or do the same thing with different information. So um, let's say, you know, a well-trained dog can sit regardless of uh, and stay regardless of if there's nobody there or there's a party there, right? Training to me um, as as what we think of it, right, is very human centered. So it's very much, let's get the dog to not be an inconvenience to the human. So the human can continue doing exactly what they want to do and not have to shift or change based on the dog's behavior, right? I want a well-behaved dog. I want a dog who eventually can, can make a, a decision based on, um, our relationship based on everything that we've practiced with them. So I have to shift and change based on on what I want from my dog. So if I want a calm dog on the walk, I need to be calm. I think it's a very unfair ask to say, okay, well, I want my dog to not freak out when they see another dog or I want my dog to not pull on the end of the leash, right? But then we're the ones that are that's saying, you know, do you want to go for a walk or chasing them around and um, just kind of throwing the leash on them and getting through that part and just kind of, you know, even... I think it's unfair to ask that when every single other time that
0: you have walked and that dog is pulled, you've still gone for a walk. It's worked. That's yeah. what the pattern is. Well, starting the walk too, uh, Jill mentioned something before that was even big for me. Cause I wasn't really aware of how that linked to our connection is making sure your dog does potty breaks before mm-hmm. the walk. And mm-hmm. then just focusing on your walk and your connection during that time you guys start moving and not focus on letting them stop and, And go to the, you know, go potty every time, just get that out the way first and then focus on your connection while you guys walk together.
2: You have, um, rules for the walk. So no tracking, meaning like I don't allow my dog's nose to the ground while I'm moving with them. Right. So if I'm moving, I better be what you said, Connor, the most relevant thing to you, um, like I said, I do not want a robot. I don't want like that. It's very cool. Don't get me wrong. It's just a very different type of training. I don't want that Belgian Malinois that's like wrapped around my leg looking and staring into my soul. I think that's creepy. I want to just like walk, you know, I think it's cool to like be able to get a dog to do that. But most people just want their dog to kind of connect with them. Right. Um, but so no tracking, no fixating, right. You can't be like just staring down other people, other dogs, squirrels, things like that. No marking on the walk. Um, and like I said, you match my speed, you match my direction. I decide what distractions we're paying attention to. And the marking thing is, I think a big one marking is a little bit different than potty breaks, but, um, cause your dog, I mean, I know a lot of dogs that can go to the bathroom and empty their bladder, um, right before the walk, but they're still going to want to stop and mark every yep. single thing that they see.
1: Yeah. And that, that kind of goes back to the, the balance scale of decision makings, right. Of uh, like, I'll get the question of when can I let them sniff? When can I let them go to the bathroom? And all of that is good. Like that's good stuff when you're chilling out in the backyard, not with a goal in mind, right? But when when you have a goal in mind, your your dog's gonna know that. And your dog is very smart. So they will do whatever in their power to not do that goal and do what they want, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so it that could it, it doesn't even have to be using the, the bathroom or, or kind of sniffing like like a lot of owners think. I see scratching the neck. I see a lot of stuff that, you know. Our, in our human brains, we're like, oh, he doesn't like the feeling on his neck. Oh, he's got allergies. We need to go inside. When in reality, it's it's really just about that ounce of control mm-hmm. and and just who's making the decisions in that 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 scenario. And that's where I really hesitate. Hey, go just let your dog sniff because that's really showing them. Hey, I can just go do this, and then it's my it's my world we're living in. It.
2: Absolutely, and there's a time and place for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not. I think we would not get any clients if we told people your dog is not allowed to go to the bathroom, like at <laughs> all. You have to just keep walking, even if they're going to the bathroom actively. Um, I think it's a matter of um, whose idea was it I, I, in being fair to the dog. So let's say you do take them out to go to the bathroom right before you start. And, you know, maybe they peed, but, you know, they have to go to the, you know, they, they have to go poop. And then you're on a walk and you're going 10 minutes in. Okay, well, we're acting kind of weird. Let me stop for a potty break right? Mm -hmm. Not that they're pulling me over to this place. It's about, and I say this all the time too, if you are asking your dog to be connected to you on the walk, you better be willing to connect back. That is Mm -hmm. huge for me. There are so many times, I'm getting very passionate. (laughs) Um, There are so many times that I am driving down the road and I see people I mean, looking at their phone while they're walking or, you know, talking on the phone while they're walking and their dog is either just, they are either being dragged by their dog or their dog is being dragged by them. Like there is no connection there. It's like, I think I said this in a previous episode, you can see a relationship, like what the relationship is like between the dog and the, and the human just by looking at the leash walk. It's like watching, um, a a couple on a date, Right, I can. You can normally tell us this their first date. Are they married? Have they been married for fifty years? Like, what what's the relationship look like? You can tell that by the walk. But a lot of people want their their dog to connect to them, but they are so worried about everything else. For owners of leash reactive dogs, they are worried about where's the other dog coming from. You know, is there another dog coming out of this door or this door? We normally react here. Are we going to? So they are not. They're connected to literally everything that they are asking their dog to not be connected to. Right. Or we are just going through the motions with our dog when this is something that, I mean, for a religious person, that would be like bringing your partner with you to church and they're sitting on their phone the whole time. Like that's what the walk is to your yeah. dog. It's, it's a huge ritual for them. And if you are not connected with them during that you cannot expect them to connect back to you.
1: And I, I think that, like that, that feeling that you get when you're connected with a dog is, is something that, sadly, like ninety percent of dog owners don't even know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And, and that does require being calm with your dog, and your 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 calm being the loudest thing in in the the equation, right? But we don't just welcome a client in and say, "Hey, be calm," right? Like that's not that's not fair. Yeah, that's yeah. not what we do. There's a lot of skill set, and there's a lot of exercises and drills to get you to the point where the one thing you can focus on is staying calm and and focusing on your own energy level. So that's why we're not just like, hey, go be calm. And there's it it is multifaceted, although it is a simple thing.
2: It's also something that that's a good point, because on the human side, yes, I I am a big fan of um, earning that confidence, earning that calm, because Most people who walk into the center have every reason to not be calm because their dog is, you know, um, they're fighting for their life on the walk, right? They are white knuckling every single walk that they are doing. So in their experience, it makes sense for them to not be calm when they are holding their dog's leash. So they have to learn a different way while their dog learns a different way. Um, But I tell people who come in for a first session, let's say the dog is leash reactive, but also um, struggles with uh, reacting to strangers at the door. Like it's not just leash reactivity because it's normally never just leash reactivity. Your dog pulling you on the walk. It's never just pulling you. Everything is relationship, right? So if I have an owner who comes in and, um, maybe the surface kind of the tip of the iceberg issue is leash reactivity. But then I kind of poke at it a little bit more and I see, okay, we've got a lot more problems. They just have figured out a way to bandaid those problems so that that's why they're not here for those. But I will tell people don't walk them until the next time I see you because we need to add rules. We need to have boundaries inside. We need, you know, to do crate training, place work, things like that. Because if I just go out and walk your dog past all of these triggers and I asked them to respond differently that I haven't changed the why. I mean, I haven't changed why your dog is responding like this. And that's normally because of how we spend the time inside the house or how we spend the time um, walking our dog when there isn't another trigger around. So I always, you know, if it's a leash reactive dog, we don't start on the walk. We start inside how we spend 95% of our time with our dog. And then when we do start on the walk, we start on the foundation of that meaning like we're going to do leash drills back and forth because your dog is learning a new skill. You're learning a new skill. You're learning to relax your arm while you walk, which I have said the words relax your arm more than I have said my own name in my life. Right. It's a lot. (laughs) Um, but you're learning, I mean, you're it's muscle memory and we're undoing it. So I have, you have to have, I mean, you have to have these skills in order to expect something different. I tell people, we have to teach the class before we give the test and the test for your dog is walking past another dog.
0: It might be different based on the dog,
2: but why would your dog respond differently when we haven't done anything different?
0: Connection is so big when you're with your dog. I mean, the other day it's, um, I was with Kane. I took him to a new vet and when he came in, I had him on the lead. Um, we did the loop. You know, we did a couple walks around um, before we went through the door. Cause he always gets very nervous when he goes into like new environments. Um, so he went in to the, the office and there were two other dogs there. And obviously they were pulling. They were trying to get to him. He immediately started like shivering and shaking. And when you see your dog like that, the first thing you want to do is just pet him mm-hmm. and just tell him it's okay. And I immediately caught myself, you know, I just got him up made him you know get up walk a little bit back and forth made him sit down and created like we talked about before created like a rule for that moment you know like Perfect. you can't touch my leg mm-hmm. or you need to sit right here and immediately he, he calmed down and he laid on the floor belly down and just lay there and was just okay. watching these two dogs I don't go crazy trying to yeah. get to him and he completely calmed down you know, because I caught into I I was really paying attention to to what was going on, his body language, what he needed from me. And because of that, that created, you know, our connection. And I was able to give him what he needed was which was creating a boundary at that moment to get his focus away from what, all those stimulation that was going on around him. And after that, we he remained calm throughout the whole entire appointment. Everybody told him what a good boy he is and how amazing he is and that was that you know so I couldn't agree more is just staying connected with your dog and being aware of what is going on instead of looking at your phone or right. trying to talk to a friend or multitask at that moment.
2: But what you did there wasn't get his mind off of it. What you did there was take control of a situation he didn't want to be control in, in, in the, he didn't want to be in control of yeah. right So in that moment, you know, he walks in, especially if the other two dogs are crazy, he's going, oh my God, what do I have to do in this? Like I have to, I, and I'm responsible for calming these dogs down. And then when you give him a boundary, he goes, oh, okay, she must be in charge. Maybe this, these other dogs aren't my circus, aren't my monkeys, right? Like (laughs) that's, you weren't redirecting it. You were truly just directing it, which is the goal.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I, we talk a lot about, you know, our dog's instincts. And I think, you know after. I've talked about how I was a love first type of person um before kind of getting into dog training. And it's not like I'm a completely different human being now. If I Get, you know, say when I met Brick for the first time, mm-hmm. if I get into the instinctual mindset of, oh, I'm here to console this dog, I'm here to pet this dog, this dog is for me, I'm still going to do that. I'm still, when I go home and see my home dog, I'm still giving him way too much love in the wrong scenarios yeah. because that's my instincts. But yeah. since me- meeting Millie, since learning new things... I've switched those instincts to to get out of get out of my own head and I really don't
2: know. There's that picture. Thank God I posted on my story <laughs> of you
1: holding brick, but but it's gone. It's I, been over 24 I, hours. I just mean with you know dogs I'm <laughs> actively working with, but it, anyways, but my now now my instincts are working this dog. You know, walking with this yeah. dog, teaching this dog something instead of just sitting there and. Bouncing anxiety and fear off of each other and just sitting in that same, same place.
2: Easton said 100%. it. Um, I think we said it in the last episode that Easton was on, but she said that, or maybe we didn't and we've just talked about, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Easton said that when I first came into her home, cause she was a client first and I said, and her dog is leash reactive. I said, um, let's try doing, you know, no furniture and crating and all of this. Let's try rules and boundaries in the house. I was asking her to give up the only relationship that she had with her dog. Right. And that's a big ask. I understand that it kind of blew my mind when she put it to me like that, because I mean, I've had people agree to that. Like, I mean, enough people for me to have a successful business. Right. And that's huge. But she did that banking on the fact that that relation, her relationship would no longer have to just be cuddling on the couch. And that feeling of, Um, I walked brick and Kemper this morning and it was like, when you have a dog who's just in sync with you, it's like, you're floating on air. It truly is like this insane feeling of I'm leading and a different species is trusting me enough to make decisions for them because I am able to communicate to them because of a relationship. And I am able, because of, you know, I don't cuddle with my dogs on the couch, um, past, you know a certain behavior, right? So Brick is not getting cuddled with on the couch. Kemper does every once in a while, but I didn't put that stuff first. And so now my dog's world is bigger. I'm able to bring Kemper to places. I'm able to put Kemper literally five feet away from a German Shepherd trying to eat his face and he's falling asleep because I have made decisions for him his entire life. But I understand that that's a big ask, but it's a a
1: big reward it's just that feeling is hard to put into words mm-hmm. yeah you know i mean it's 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 so hard to like describe and like there's no right or wrong to it you know what i mean like it's it's a feeling or there's not a feeling mm-hmm. and getting that across to a client in words is, is so hard to do but that's why i love dogs because it's it's the one thing that you know i've experienced that you truly can feel and you're like okay this feels different than what I was. That frustration I was and feeling. And you beforehand. can
2: watch it happen. Yeah. like I said on the um, Life of a Dog Trainer episode it's that moment of transformation in the human where, you know, normally they could be, um, they normally spend their walk, and this is another thing, looking down at their dog, staring at their dog the whole time of, what do you want to (laughs) do, right? It's they go from looking down to like, all of a sudden, their chin is up, and their shoulders are back, and they just become this different person. And you can go, oh, that's the feeling. That's it, right? Now you guys are, but you just connected back, right? And that's, that's the point, like that's the affection part is, and that's the relationship. I think, you know, the last two episodes were about place and about the crate. And we talked about those as coping mechanisms and we said, you know, the big three are crate, place, and by your side. Those are the big three places we want your dog to be able to turn their brain off and, and to just know that it's not up to them in a good way. By your side is the hardest one because of your relationship, because the human is overthinking, because the human is anxious or overconfident or, or unaware or whatever it is, right? That is the hardest one, but by your side is the portable one, right? By your side is the one that's always that should always be there, um, and, and that's the, the most important one. And obviously on your walk, you are practicing the coping mechanism of when you are by my side, nothing happens to you. So we don't allow interactions on walks, right. With other dogs. I don't like unleash greetings ever. Um, and we can get into why in a second, but, um, but the main point is that the dog, a el- it gets to be neutral. The dog gets to turn their brain off when they are next to you. It's easy. It's easiest to do in the crate. It's easier to do one place, but by your side, it is hard. And once you get it, you get it. And it's the coolest feeling in the world.
0: And well, with the, um, with a structured walk too, is the connection part of it is such a great way for us to turn off our brains Mm -hmm. too. And disconnect from all the loudness in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, many times we applaud dogs for being in the moment, and many people say, you know, you have to be more like a dog, and you know, just be in the moment, enjoy every moment, enjoy your walk, enjoy you know the day, and that that is our fault as humans is that we can be in one place, but our minds are in a completely different place, you know, and that's when you when you see that shift in someone, like Millie was talking about that moment that's when you are really in the moment. Mm -hmm. That's when you are enjoying that walk and you're connected with your dog and you're enjoying the day and you're connected with that moment itself, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's our, that's our fault as humans. We don't connect with a moment. And And we
2: try really hard as train. It's hard to get a human to be like, turn off, right? Just be with your dog. We do at our monthly, we offer monthly client pack walks, which is a free service for all of our clients, no matter what type of service they've gotten, you know, with us before, once a month, we all meet up at, at a park and we just walk together. Our dog reactive dogs, our human reactive dogs, we all figure it out, right? We've been doing lately this thing where we do 10 minutes of silence of let's walk together like dogs would, right? So oh, we're awesome. not talking, we're not um, chit chatting with the person next to us. We're not talking about our dog's issues. We're just moving together with, you know, as humans, as dogs, all as like one pack. And it's just this kind of I mean, it's a truly magical experience when we do that. And then the rest of the walk goes a lot easier because people just connect. They spent 10 minutes being connected to their dog. That's so important.
1: Yeah. And, and movement's tricky, right? Like we, we've we talked about mm-hmm. this on my, our Instagram page and it's a common theme in my my everyday training of like, okay. Do I use movement to my advantage, or is this going to make everything worse? Who it? Who knows? Who knows, right? <laughs> Let's try both. Uh, exactly, <laughs> but that um, where I'm going with that is it, it is instinctual for our dogs. Where you know, staying, it, it's it's a thin line of kind of choose your hard, right? Mm-hmm. But for, as someone who doing something that I'm 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 good at and, and kind of not too hard, but not too easy. That's where I'm almost the calmest and in, in my zone, the best. So I feel like my energy is the best when I'm moving. Right. So that confidence alone allows me to have almost the most improvement on that walk. Right. And Mm -hmm. so that's where I, 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 I work a lot with, with dogs is, is on that walk because I view it as that, that, that instinctual kind of, um, whether it's food, shelter, water in that wild, they're, they're working for it. And, And that, that, You know, it's it's definitely one thing to make that work calm, right? But in in terms of just progressing through something, I think that that leash walk is the place to start because that's where you're like really really getting into that that issue and and really trying to progress. And I I I, that's why I love the walk. I, I did did walks for Millie for eight months, Mm -hmm. I want to say. And and I really... Not for my dogs, for clients. (laughs) I didn't just hire him to walk. I walk my own dogs. (laughs) Not Millie's dogs, our clients' dogs. But my suggestion, you know... With that, is anyone who wants to learn more about dogs, anyone who wants to get into dog training, that's an easy way to start. That's how I started, yeah. is go figure it out. You know yeah. what I mean? You, you're you not going to ever be perfect at it. So go improve just like you're trying to get that dog to do. Um, and, and as long as you're being intentional about it, you can take away just as much as that dog's taking And away. you'll know the feeling
2: when you have it. I mean, I think it's important that we, um, you know, that movement, when you say calm, that doesn't mean... Slow, right? And we can talk about kind of some practical things too. One of the things that I I try to do, and I do right now with Brick, who is my three month old puppy, is I try to switch up my speeds on the walk, and I try to see okay, is the um, is the leash the thing that's keeping you with me, or are you true? Am I relevant enough that you are moving with me regardless of leash pressure? Um, leash drills that we do. Um, it's, you know, doing 180 turns or 90 degree turns either into the dog or away from the dog and seeing, okay, how much do I need to use the leash? Because a lot of people think of the walk as the leash walk, right? But, and and then they go, okay, the walk is great because the dog isn't pulling, but the dog is still five feet ahead of them or God forbid, Ten feet ahead of them on a flexi lean, right? <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's not about the leash. It's not about the pressure on the leash. the The goal is is that your dog is moving and choosing to move with you and match your speed and match your direction regardless of the leash, right? The leash is the backup. The leash is the thing that's required because there's a law about leashes, right? Um, and because dogs and humans make mistakes, right? But it's a matter of can I make decisions and you are paying enough attention to me to know that I have made this decision and follow me without the leash forcing you to. Mm-hmm. That is a true walk. That's a dog in a following state is that I can drop that leash and you're just moving with me.
0: Does it matter what kind of leash they use? I mean, th- do you have to use a specific one to create a structured walk? There are easier ones and harder
2: <laughs> ones. Uh, we talked about a little bit of this in the tool episode, but um, yeah, I mean, we use slip leads, but do you want to talk about, so you, you look like the bad guy. Talk about the harder <laughs> ones,
1: Connor. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we, we get almost every day clients walking in with a harness. Uh, the flat dog collar. is wearing a harness. The human isn't. <laughs> this is my life everybody just so you know. um but yeah we all types of things i i personally you know i wouldn't a prong collar is one thing that uh a lot of trainers use i'm not too familiar and too comfortable with it um and so that's where i you know i'm i'm a slip lead guy and kind of to a fault almost of like i only use that slip lead but um i think it's it really offers the most uh, clear communication for our dog. Um, and especially, you know, talking about that prong collar, there's a, there's a common theme. I think a lot of people think of corrections when they think of psychology-based and, and really Cesar Milan is what, what comes to my brain is whenever they hear psychology-based training, they are like, okay, you're just going to tell my dog no. And, and I think that's where we separate a lot of the time It is Really, I in the my first couple of sessions, if it's especially a puppy, mm-hmm. I probably won't correct that dog. And, and I'm giving this direction over and over in, in not an aversive way to teach them what that means before they're just like, let me stay away from that. Teach and,
2: the class before you give the test. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Before you fail the dog on the test. That's not fair. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, with the with the prong, we've just never used like it's never been something that we're like, this dog needs a prong, right? It's something that um, if the dog is still, um, not necessarily understanding the pressure on the leash with a slip lead, then we look at, okay, well, we need to go back to basics or what's happening inside the house. Because if your dog isn't relevant to you, um, when you are speaking their language with prela- uh, with pressure and release, then what's happening the 95% of the time. So I don't like to go up. And I think this is what you were basically saying is I don't like to go up in. Um, intensity of direction or correction or whatever. Uh, if I feel like I haven't done the work, right? I'd rather just that's how we use e-collars, too. Of we, this is the level that we will provide you direction. If you are not taking that direction at that level, then why, right? And then we work on the why, mm-hmm. so the inside stuff and all that. But harnesses, we don't really use unless of a medical reason, which we have. Um, we don't really use flat collars or, um, You know, we can talk a little bit about the difference between like the gentle leader, um, like your standard gentle leader and and the loop, which is what we use. Um, We like the loop for a connection on the walk. The loop is a standard slip lead just turned into almost like a head halter. The difference between the loop and the gentle leader is that the loop connects or the gentle leader connects underneath the chin and it doesn't necessarily work off of pressure and release. So it's um, almost like you're kind of yanking the dog's head around We are looking for a tool that allows us to guide the dog, to give direction to the dog. We are not looking for a tool that forces the dog to walk next to us, that corrects the dog when it doesn't walk next to us, or that makes it easier for the dog to not walk next to us, right? We are looking for a tool that um, provides the most clear communication. And for us, that's the loop or a regular slip lead.
1: Yeah, and I think the only times... A client asked me if, you know, do you think we should put a prong collar on? It's because a correction's not working. And to me, that tells me that dog doesn't know what that leash means. So upping that intensity level is fueling the fire in my in Or my-
2: that you aren't somebody that your dog believes like, that can correct you, right? Like it's, all. I always go back to the relationship because dogs don't do things just to do things, right? They're not going to blow you off if you've set your relationship up in the right way. Now, There are absolutely things that your dog is bound to do because it's brand new or your dog is a certain breed. Like, you know, okay, I took Kemper. Oh my God, I'm going to tell myself I took Kemper to the lake (laughs) um, a couple weekends ago and literally giant lake, there was a paper bag or a plastic bag or something in the middle of the lake, way farther than I have ever let that dog swim. Kemper is a little bit of a ball addict, okay? He had his e collar on. Just a little bit. Yeah. No, like a lot. It's a problem. We're working on it. Um, I had his e-collar on and he, I think spotted that bag and he was like, Oh cool. That's a ball out there. I got to go get it. And so he started swimming and I'm like calling him. I call him one time and I noticed, okay, this is not working. And he swims all the way out, basically to almost the other side of the lake, right. To get and br- grabs the bag, brings it back and drops <laughs> it at my feet. But I didn't one, To me, yeah, that makes sense. This is not something... We don't go to the lake a lot, right? This is not something we've practiced a lot. Two, I'm very aware that we have a ball problem. (laughs) Um, But I know that I can call him off of bunnies. I know that I can call him off of any other dog whatsoever. I know that I can call him off of anything. I can call him off of a ball most of the time, given the right situation, as long as there's not another dog going for it, because then it's competition. But that, to me, was... um, I mean, things like that happen. It's not necessarily about a relationship or that I needed to turn the e-caller up or provide a correction. It was, this is something brand new and different, right? But it's all always to me, okay, well, I left that lake thinking, okay, we need to come back here anymore. Next time we come back here, we're working on recall. Next time we come back here, we're just doing a structured walk. And that's another thing that I do is every time I go to a new place, it's structure first. I, I do, I mean, short leash, there's not a lot of smelling. The second time I go, I might bookend it like structure, walk first, excited, you know, excited or sniffing or whatever, like exploring in the middle structure at the end.
1: I think that's where a lot of our, our, I, I go wrong myself is that I'm not seeing, you know, a perfect dog. And then I'm like, okay, we're doing it wrong. Avoid, avoid it at all costs. Right. And that's, that's what creates that cycle you're going to get into. Whereas when we say progress over perfection, even though you feel like those reps of maybe even just making it worse, that that, that's what you feel is, is going on. There is a, a, a a method to that madness. Mm -hmm. There is a, those repetitions, there is progress in it. And even as minuscule as it may be, seeing it through is, is what's going to get you some, some progress at all rather than just regression.
2: And that's where we go back to like, your walk can be just putting the leash on and taking it off. Right. So it's, it's okay to change the goal. You know, if you've walked your dog every single day for 30 minutes around your entire neighborhood and, but every single day that you pass another dog, your dog blows up. And like I said, it's just a fight for your life on the walk then let's change the goal. Let's let's see, okay, well, where do we first start feeling intense? Because then, at least we're making it where you can see progress. It's not fair to be like, yeah, go 30 minutes, but, I mean, light your dog up on the e-collar or put a prong on him and correct the crap out of him every single time they see another dog. That's not going to fix anything. That's suppression, mm-hmm. right? It's... Where is this coming from? Why is this happening? And so then you change the goal and you grow from there. It's always gonna be messy at first, but it'll go a lot faster if you make the goal small.
0: And that's the difference between what you guys do as a psychology-based trainers is you always ask why, instead of trying to correct, 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 you are looking into the why they're being reactive. Why is, are they not connecting with you on the walk? Why are you guys not really creating a better relationship where the dog trusts you there's a lot of why's in your training, and you're trying to find the answers to that, which is why that for me, is really what made me connect with your kind of training is because you go really in depth with the problems you try to find out the why of it before trying to correct the dog you well know? and it's
2: it's the why can be a relationship based thing and it also can be a skill set thing yeah. of you know if you, your dog is struggling on the walk. Well, do they have the skill of understanding what pressure and release means or or how to yield to your, you know, when you give pressure on the leash? Do you understand pressure and release? Does your dog understand that when you pull the leash out, it doesn't equal excitement, right? If all of these things um, are not a skill set that your dog has, why would I expect your dog to listen to leash pressure that maybe you aren't giving at the right times or in the right intensity level, when you're in a moment where that dog thinks that they're in danger, right? If they see another dog or whatever. And we can also I mean it's the same thing for happy go lucky dogs of if the do- if the leash equals excitement and you don't understand pressure and release, your dog doesn't understand pressure and release. You you haven't practiced any neutrality whatsoever even inside the house when things are very normal and familiar. Those are not skills your dog is going to be bringing with them on the
0: walk. Now we're get we're we're gonna get a little bit into the questions. We only have about two questions because we did answer a lot of them as we were um, talking about the different types of um, things that we have to work through in structured walks. Now, one of them is you know I think a lot of people may think the same thing is I th- uh, one of the questions are I thought sniffing was good for my dog. When can I let them sniff since?
1: Um, So, yeah, that goes back to, of course, trying to get them to potty before before going on that that structure rock. And that kind of makes me think of like puppy biting make a time in the day where you are encouraging puppy biting with play Mm -hmm. so that every other time that that dog is trying to bite you, you address it. You know what I'm saying? So setting aside that time of like, Hey, here's your time. Here's your time to go potty. will allow you to have that confidence to address them every time they're trying to create another opportunity. Um, so it's, and it's something you, where you read online sniffing is good for my dog. Um, it, it decreases. Wow. That was not a word. Decreases <laughs> stress, um, all of these good things, um, but that, it goes back to that that justice scale of deci- or justice balance of decision making, um, and, and who's really, um, who do they really view as the leader when when they are going to the bathroom when it when it's something as simple as that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think on the walk because there's a lot of people that maybe don't have a backyard, so I let my dogs go to the bathroom um, in the backyard before I ever bring them on a walk, um, but. When we are walking, I am moving, and then as soon as I feel that feeling, right, not as soon as, but when I, uh, when I feel like my dog is the most connected to me, then we'll stop and, and I'll allow you to sniff for a little bit. But that doesn't mean that you can pull me everywhere. That just means, yeah, we can stop and sniff for a little bit. Or with Brick right now, it's, we're doing, like, um, I'll have some walks that are structured walks, and some walks that are recall training walks. So I'll put him on a long line, and we'll be walking. Kind of, my neighbors are probably going to hate me. They probably do hate me already. <laughs> but um, we're like going up and down uh, my street, and I'm just letting him smell, right? And I'm practice calling him off of those smells, so that and, and enforcing with the leash. So so the smelling is happening, absolutely. But it's it's something that is still productive for the rest of his life with me, right? Mm. I'm still practicing a skill of. It, even if you have, if you're on, a, you know, a scent of a bunny or whatever it is, I you are still gonna come back to me every single time I call you. But when we are moving together, especially when I have both of my dogs with me, we're moving. And if I stop and I say, okay, and kind of maybe like I change my body language a little bit, you can smell for a little bit, but I initiate it. It's my idea. It's not you pull me somewhere, it's my idea. And then I am the one who ends it. So a lot of people, at least in my experience, have very um, particular kind of routines with their dogs. Like my dog always stops and smells at these bushes, right? Mm -hmm. So I tell people, okay, well, just to add a little bit of like a challenge in your walk, see if you can walk them past that and then come back to it. So because I don't want it to just be something your dog always does. I want your dog, no matter how many times if you've done it, a hundred or none to look at you and be like, are we doing this? Yeah. But if it's just a routine, then it's a routine. I want you to insert yourself in as much as possible with them.
0: Now, another question is, my dog does well in the loop. When should I go back to a regular flat collar? <laughs>
1: um, I that, We get this a lot. We get uh, how, long, how long do I have to use the slip lead? How long do I have to use the loop? My short and sweet answer is, if it works, why change it? Um, the further explanation of that is... I they're all dogs are all about consistency. Right. And and even going back to the sniffing, if there's if you're consistently not using that leash to give them information around the same thing every single time, they're going to start looking for ways to take that one specific scenario and and push that boundary a little bit of, hey, where can I really not just listen to you at all. Mm-hmm. Um so that that consistency is key and when when you get you finally get to a point where that consistency is normal and that it, it feels good that 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 good feeling we've been talking about is is happening more frequently than not, why would you want to change that? Right. That's why we, we why work fix it? we work our whole lives to try and get you to yeah. that point.
0: <laughs> you you wanted this. Yeah. <laughs> what are you at? What do you mean, right? Like they say out here in the south if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean
2: for, uh, there are very specific times, um, like I will tell people to not use the loop and that is inside the house or if I am working on, or if I'm at like a level of, um, training recall, right? So with, well, Brick is barely conditioned to the loop cause he's three months old and he is, I mean, <laughs> hell on wheels, Whoa. this dog. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, I will not, and I will intentionally not use the loop when I'm working on recall or in the house. I'll, I will intentionally not use the loop when my goal is to not have a leash eventually, right? If my goal is to eventually be able to call him off and, and not need a leash at all, right? Um, then I don't want to have extra help in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. But if I want, if I'm in a situation, I literally just came from a session where I was asked this question. I, if I'm in a situation where I feel like it will be beneficial to me or to the dog for my dog to have the utmost connection with me, that's when I'm gonna put the loop on. Cause it, it acts off of that calming pressure point around the bridge of their nose. It it's something that if taught correctly, you can have that feeling more often than not, mm-hmm. at least in our experience, right? So it's something that if if it's a situation like a farmer's market or a large group class or the vet or whatever, right? Or a walk around your neighborhood. If you want your dog to be connected with you and you have taught the loop and you feel like the loop really works, right? use it. Now I will not put the loop on with Kemper in day camp sometimes, but then when I'll bring him into a training session, especially if I know the dog is going to be reactive to to him, I'll put the loop on because I need him to know I've gotcha. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not, the goal isn't, the goal isn't, um, taking the tool away. The goal is the thing that the tool got you right. Or, or is helping you with. So if you're already at the goal of, I have a great leash walk with my dog. Don't move, right? Don't change
0: anything. Like don't breathe too hard, right? Like just yeah. keep it where it is. Yeah. Well, I feel like in this episode, we got, we covered a lot regarding the structured walks. So we're going to get, uh, bring this to an end. Do you guys want to add anything else? We have a, um,
2: ebook for oh, like perfect. all about le- leash walking. Um, it has, I mean, literally from start to finish everything that we talked about today and in more detail. Um, but, uh, and that's
0: on our website, mirrorimagek9 dot Perfect. Awesome.
1: Go, go walk your dog.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. In the next episode, we're going to talk about resource guarding, and that will also be with Connor. So don't forget practice makes progress.
1: Practice <laughs> makes progress. There you go, Connor.
0: <laughs> Make sure to follow us on
2: Instagram at Think Like a Dog Podcast and follow at Mirror Image Canine for training tips. If you have any questions, please reach out to us via email at info at infothinklikeadogpodcast.com.